This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 151. So this week, after all of the chaos of moving from Atlanta to North Carolina, and my wife and I still aren't done with the remodeling of the house, let alone unpacking and getting things put away, but I did finally manage to get enough of my gear together so that I could start doing my podcasts again. So I want to apologize once again to all of my listeners for missing about three weeks of episodes there. Uh, but there was just too much chaos going on, too many things going wrong, not enough things going right. <laughs> and it really messed up my schedule. So I do want to apologize to everybody about that. Now, today, of course, being it is Sunday, May Six or uh, yeah, May sixteenth. I'm sorry, <laughs> brain cramp there for a second. Um, as usual, I'll be doing the news and rumors in this episode, and I know I've missed uh, about three weeks of news and rumors, but I'm still going to only do the most recent ones for this week. Now, I may do this Thursday. I may do an episode where I cover some of the other stories from the last three weeks. I'm not sure yet. I haven't decided because I don't really like the idea of putting out two news and rumors episodes in the same week. So we may just have to let things hang on the stuff that we missed. But no fear, we're back again this Sunday and we're covering the latest news and rumors from Canon rumors, Nikon rumors, Fuji rumors, and Sony Alpha rumors. So let's get into this and see what Canon rumors has for us for this week. Let's do this. All right, first up, Canon to announce RF mount cinema lenses alongside the Cinema EOS C300S and the EOS C500S. Last month, I reported that Canon would be bringing three new Cinema EOS cameras, including the Cinema EOS C300S and the C500S, that will shoot in 8K, as well as a new dynamic range monster in the Cinema EOS C700DR, which is rumored to have 20 plus stops of dynamic range. Now, that's a lot of dynamic range, and that would be extremely impressive. Secondly, back in March, I reported that Canon would launch a line of RF mount prime lenses, and now I know which focal lengths we should expect. The new RF prime lenses will have the same character as the Samir line of cinema prime lenses from Canon. The Canon RF mount cinema prime lenses will be the RF 14mm T1.5, the RF 18mm T1.5, the RF 24mm T1.3, the RF 35mm T1.3, an RF 50mm T1.3, an RF 85mm T1.3, and an RF 100mm T1.5, as well as a RF 135 millimeter T 1.5. We are also going to see two new RF lenses, uh, RF compact zooms and two larger zoom lenses announced at the same time. The source notes that due to the challenges still affecting lens manufacturing, the prime lens set for the RF mount may come as a development announcement. 
The exact announcement date is not yet known, but with NAB 2021 taking place in October, that would seem like a logical time to bring all of this to the market. Now, I do agree with him 100% on that. I have a feeling Canon is going to wait until NAB 2021 to make their announcement on all of this new RF mount cinema gear. But we'll have to wait and see. They may surprise us. Maybe they'll announce it sooner. But I think they're probably going to hold it for that show um, so that they have some sort of big presentation uh, while they're at that event. So we'll have to wait and see exactly what happens, but that's definitely some exciting news for the cinematographers out there. It looks like you're going to get some new fantastic cinema mount glass or cinema glass in the RF mount. So that should make a lot of people extremely happy. Next up, a bit of history about Canon and catadioptric or mirror lenses. There has been a lot of talk about Canon and catadioptric uh, lenses or mirror lenses since the patent surface with the new lens design likely for the RF mount. It has been rumored for quite some time that Canon would be bringing an RF 1200mm f8 lens for the EOS R system, which could actually be a mirror lens. Canon does have a history with mirror lenses, including the behemoth Canon 52mm f4, along with an 800mm f3.8 and a 2000mm f11. A Canon Rumors reader sent me a brochure for these three lenses, and I found it to be a fun read. These lenses were developed in the mid-1960s and can still fetch a king's ransom on the used market. The 5200mm F1, uh, F14 sold for about 50000 a few years ago on eBay. You can check out the official Canon brochure in this article, and of course, there'll be a link to this article and all of the articles from this week's episode in the show notes so that all of my readers can check them out for themselves. Next up, patent is Canon planning to release a mirror super telephoto lens. Keith over at Northlight uncovered a U.S. PTO patent showing various optical designs for mirror lenses, better uh, for catadioptric lenses, better known as mirror lenses. The advantages to mirror lenses are reduced size, weight, and cost at long focal lengths. Some of the historical disadvantages to mirror lenses tend to be slow contrast or low contrast, fixed aperture, and donut bokeh. That's not to say that Canon hasn't improved or eliminated those issues in their new designs. The optical designs that appear in this patent are for a Canon RF 400mm f3.6 IS, a Canon RF 800mm f5 IS, a Canon RF 1200mm f8 IS, a Canon RF 1200mm f10.5 IS, and a Canon RF 2000mm f15 IS. Interestingly, a Canon RF 1200mm f8 appears on my Canon RF lens roadmap. This patent may actually be part of the future consumer products. However, I do have it reported as an L lens, so we'll have to wait and see on that one. As Canon has shown with the RF 600mm f11 IS STM and the 800mm f11 IS STM, they aren't afraid to bring slower, long lenses to the masses. Not everyone can afford or justify the purchase of a five-figure 
big white lens. And I will have to agree with that 100%. Now, I have not had a chance to test out the RF 600 or 800 millimeter F11 lenses, but I am seriously thinking about picking up a copy of the 800 millimeter just so I can have a super long lens for when I want to shoot wildlife. So I may do that this week. We'll have to wait and see. If I do, I'll let you know in the Thursday episode to kind of keep my listeners posted and up to speed on exactly what I'm doing as far as lenses for my new Canon R6. Next up, patent using image sensor shift to reduce the need for an AA filter. Northlight Images has uncovered an interesting patent that deals with reducing the need for an AA filter. This patent shows a technique to use the sensor stabilization system to address the problem of sampling and spatial aliasing, something that an AA filter is usually responsible for. This technology in this patent is for both stills and video. I will note that understanding this patent isn't for the faint of heart. You can check out the full patent at the U.S. PTO website. Interestingly, Canon Rumors reader Nicholas let me know on Twitter that Pentax does something similar. You can check out the demonstration from the Rico YouTube channel below. And of course, all of this will be in the show notes so that my listeners can check them out for themselves as usual. Next up, patent Canon RF 19mm f2.8 IS. Canon News has uncovered an interesting optical formula patent for a small prime lens with image stabilization. The patent talks in depth about making small prime lenses with IS. There are two different embodiments for the Canon RF 19mm f2.8 IS. You have the Canon RF 19mm f2.8 IS with a focal length of 19.50mm, an f number of 2.88. Half angle of view is 47.99 degrees, image height of 2165mm, lens total length 96.33mm, with a back focus of 18.34mm. The second formula for the same lens is a focal distance of 19.29mm, an f number of 2.86. Half angle of view is 48.30 degrees, image height 2165, of course, lens total length 96.59 millimeters with a back focus of 18.43 millimeters. This patent also includes an optical formula for an RF 85mm f1.8, but I think it's safe to assume that this won't become a consumer product since we have the Canon RF 85mm f2 ISSTM. And I do have to agree with that. I don't think Canon's going to do an RF 85mm f1.8 when they already have the 1.2. Now, I could be wrong, though. Um, in the old days with the EF mount lenses, Canon did not have, at least not that I can recall, a silver band 85 millimeter lenses. The only ones they made were the gold band, which was an F1.8, and then the F1.2L Mark I and Mark II. And then later, towards the tail end of releasing new EF lenses before they started rolling out all their RF stuff, Canon did release an 85mm L lens that was an f1.4 with image stabilization. And the other, the two generations of the 1.2 85mm did not have image stabilization. So we could be wrong there. Just because Canon released a silver band 85mm lens doesn't mean they're not going to do a new RF gold band F1.8 85 millimeter. We'll just have to wait and see. 
because as I said, Canon historically has always had three lines of lenses. They've had their silver band, which are more for consumers. They're low cost lenses. They're not as good in quality, but they're okay. And then they have their gold band, which is their mid-level lenses. They're a little more expensive, but much better on the image quality. And then of course they have their luxury line, which is their L glass, which are the most expensive and have the highest image quality. So we'll have to wait and see. I'll have to disagree with the guy that owns Canon Rumors on this one because I think there is a possibility they may do an F1.8 85 RF mount with a gold band. We'll have to wait and see. So far, I don't believe Canon has released any gold band lenses for the RF mount. So maybe it's time for them to kick that line into gear. We'll just have to wait and see. Next up, patent for Canon RF 20mm f1.8L and an RF 24mm f1.8L. Canon News has uncovered a patent for more fast prime optical formulas. This patent deals with reducing weight and size for such lenses. Canon News notes that the back focus is quite short, which would require the lens to enter the camera mount about eight millimeters. So these optical formulas aren't likely to uh, going to become a consumer product. However, we do see patents for an optical formula that are merely trying to solve problems. And in the case of this one, size and weight. So for the Canon uh, 20 millimeter F1.8, it has a focal length of 20.60 millimeters, an F number of 1.85, half angle of view of 46.40 degrees, image height of 2164, Lens total length 88.73 millimeters and a back focus of 11.72 millimeters. For the 24 millimeter variant, we have a focal length of 23.28 millimeters, an F number of 1.85. Half angle of view of 42.90 degrees, image height 2164, lens total length 9332 millimeters, and a back focus of 12.72 millimeters. So it is interesting, and I would not be surprised if Canon actually did release these two lenses as they had similar lenses in the EF mount. Um, I can't remember if they had both of them in the L line or not. I think. I want to say, I know they did have a 24 millimeter in the L line as well as the gold band line. I'm not sure on the 20 millimeter and I'm just being honest with you. You know, I don't want to blow smoke up your chimney. I'm just letting you know what I can remember off the top of my head. Next up, Canon will introduce new tilt shift lenses with a high megapixel camera. I have reported on the coming tilt shift lenses for the RF mount. These are apparently going to be the first tilt shift lenses with autofocus, which would be interesting. I have been told that Canon plans to introduce two new autofocus tilt shift lenses alongside a high megapixel camera. The announcement time frame for such a camera is still unknown, but the source claims the first half of 2022 is extremely likely and that these lenses were to come in in late 2021. The two rumored autofocus tilt shift lenses from Canon will be the Canon TSR 14mm f4L and the Canon TSR 24mm f3.5L. The high megapixel RF mount camera has been rumored for quite some time as it's an obvious step Canon needs to make. The roadmap for EOS 
our bodies is far less known than that of the RF mount lenses. We expect to be announced in the next year or two. So stay tuned as there will be more to come. Now, this is an interesting story and interesting idea because, as he mentioned in the article, Canon has never released any autofocus tilt shift lenses. All of their tilt shift lenses in the past have been completely manual. So it would be interesting to see if they do come out with some new tilt shift lenses that do have autofocus built into them. That would be fantastic. All right, and last up from Canon Rumors for this week, Venus Optics announces the Lawa RF 33mm f0.95, but it's only for APS-C. Now, there are some, uh, there is an accompanying YouTube video from Lawa. All right, so let's see. Venus Optics, the manufacturer specialized in making unique camera lenses, is proud to introduce the Lawa Argus 33mm f0.95 CF APO, a magnificent f095 prime lens for APS-C cameras. The Argus name was originally from Greek mythology and was the name of a vigilant guardian with a hundred eyes and an all-seeing sight. The name represents the ultra-bright f095 aperture of the lenses and the exceptional image quality they deliver. The 35mm f095 is the first released lens of the much-anticipated Argus line, featuring the ultra-fast 095 aperture with APO design. The lens offers photographers and videographers a classic focal length for everyday shooting and the versatility to shoot at difficult lighting conditions. The lens delivers exceptional image quality at wide open and suppresses the chromatic aberration to the minimal. Coupled with the 35mm uh, 1.15 feet uh, minimum focusing distance, a buttery smooth and exquisite bokeh rendering can easily be created. It's also equipped with multiple touches of videographer-friendly features for narrative filmmaking. The key features of the Lawa Argus 33mm lens F095 ultra-fast aperture, APO or uh, apochromatic optical design, uh, 35 centimeter closest focusing distance, exquisite bokeh, long focus throw, internal focus, low focus breathing, and stepless aperture ring. That is definitely an interesting lens. The new Argus 33mm f095 was designed to deliver impressive performance at a wide open aperture. It incorporates one extra low dispersion glass, one spherical lens, and three ultra high diffraction glass lenses to suppress both lateral and long longitudinal <laughs> chronomatic aberration to the minimal at all apertures in its class. It also delivers an exceptional image sharpness across the frame. And there are some fantastic sample images in this article. All the images were shot at F095. The ultra-fast aperture uh, adds a dreamy atmosphere to your images that no other lens can compare to. The shallow depth of field offers great versatility for selective focus and isolates the subject for better storytelling. The fast aperture also makes handheld shooting at low light situations much easier. You can now tell your story in any condition without compromising your images with higher ISO. It is perfect for everything from prestigious portraits to light, low light photography, a videography to everyday astrophotography. And again, there are some amazing images that accompany this article. With the 35 centimeter closest focusing distance or 1.15 feet, uh, from the subject to the sensor allows you to create buttery smooth bokeh with breathtaking close-up details. 
The exquisite bokeh from the nine circular aperture blades produces smooth round bokeh with no hard edges. Coupled with the 35 centimeter close focusing distance, the new Argo lens allows photographers to create visually and aesthetically appealing images. Low focus breathing. Venus Optics also attempted to compress the focus breathing of this new Argus lens to the minimum in its class. This is perfect for narrative filmmaking where the distraction of the framing changes is no more. The extended focus throw with the 62 millimeter filter thread, the Argus uh, Laua Argus 33 millimeter, has a long focus throw of 300 degrees and allows photographers and videographers to have precise control of the focus over the shallow depth of field for isolating the subject better. A 62 millimeter filter thread is designed to fit with screw in filters. The internal focus design optics uh, design has been adopted so that the lens will not extend in length during focusing. It offers additional stability and prevents dust from getting into the lens. It is particularly useful for videographers where add-on accessories like matte box are often used. Venus Optics still managed to keep the lens compact at 3.26 inches or 83 millimeters long and lightweight at 590 grams or 1.3 pounds despite the internal focus design. The stepless aperture ring allows the videographer to adjust and control the exposure smoothly. Now the full specifications for the lens, the Laua Argus 33mm, focal length 33mm, of course, aperture f095 to 11, angle of view is 46.2 degrees, format compatibility is APS-C, lens structure 14 elements in 9 groups, aperture blades 9, 35 centimeters or 1.15 feet minimum focusing distance dimensions 2.81 by 3.26 inches filter thread is 62 millimeters focus is manual of course weight 1.31 pounds or 590 grams and the lens will be available for fuji x sony e nikon z and canon r mount Pricing and availability is currently the lens is currently available to purchase via the Venus Optics official website at venuslenses.net and authorized resellers. The U.S. price XVAT for Laua Argus 33 millimeter f095 is 4.99. Pricing will vary in other countries. Shipping starts from early May for Fuji X and Sony E mount. Nikon Z and Canon RF will be shipped from mid May. So that is interesting. And Venus Optics has been doing some fantastic lenses for various needs and to fit certain gaps that currently exist from other lens manufacturers. Now, as I said, I had the uh, Laua Venus Optics 17 millimeter F4 0D lens for my GFX 50R. And I did absolutely love that lens, but I did when I had the money finally break down and get the Fuji GF 23 millimeter just because because there were some of the features and functions on the 23 millimeter that I wanted. One of the biggest ones was the weather sealing. I really could not believe that Laua created such a fantastic lens in their 17 millimeter for the GFX mount. And for $1,100, they didn't give you weather sealing where it mounts to the camera. I did not like that because if you know anything about my photography, I am never afraid to shoot in the rain and I do it frequently. I try not to let anything stop my shooting, whether it's for my real estate work that I get paid for or my documentary work for my forgotten pieces projects. I'm not afraid to shoot in rain, snow, no hail, whatever. <laughs> so it is much more convenient for me to have a lens that is fully weather sealed. All right. And now we're going to head on over to Nikon rumors for this week. 
First up, new Nikon Z-mount instant rebates in Europe. In the UK, you can get up to 360 euros off on select Z cameras and up to 180 euros off on select Z lenses. At Park Cameras UK and Wex UK, you can see the Nikon UK website for more details. In Germany, the soft rebate is up for $400 off on select Nikon Z cameras and lenses at Calumet DE and Photo Earnhardt DE. Check out Nikon Germany website for more details. The Nikon USA rebates include the Nikon Z and F-mount lenses, as well as $500 off on the D850 and $300 off on the D780 cameras at Adorama and B&H Photo. The full list of discounted Nikon products can be found at the accompanying link in this article, which of course will be in the show notes. So you can check it out for yourself and see if there's anything you want to buy that's currently got a rebate. So you can save a little bit of money, keep a little bit more of that hard-earned cash in your wallet. Next up, Nikon released their first 2021 fiscal year financial reports. Nikon released their financial results for 2021 fiscal year ending May or ending March 31st, 2021. Here is the recap. Revenue 451.2 billion yen down 139.8 billion. Imaging products revenue decreased by 75.0 billion yen. Operating profit is uh 56.2 billion yen down 62.9 billion. Nikon sales and units by product category. Summary for the year ending March 31st, 2021. Um, and there's a bunch of revenue charts here in the article. Results for the Nikon imaging products business. There's a chart for that as well. And the imaging products business complete restructuring and deploy a sustainable business model. Now, Nikon has been doing a lot to try to restructure their company because they've been hemorrhaging millions of dollars over the last few years. And I'm really hoping that Nikon is able to turn it around. As I mentioned in numerous previous episodes, I would really hate to see Nikon go the way of the Dodo Bird. They're one of the camera companies along with Canon that's been around for over a century, and it would be a shame to see them disappear appear. So hopefully they will get things turned around with all this restructuring and start becoming more profitable once again. Next up, Nikon is slowly discontinuing more Nikkor F-mount lenses. In addition to the AFP DX Nikkor 18-55 F35-56 GVR lens, I reported a few days ago, Nikon has slowly retired several other Nikkor F-mount lenses. They are already listed as old product on the main Nikon Japan website or listed on the discontinued section of the website. See previous reports on discontinued Nikon products. We have the AFS Nikkor 16-35 F4G EDVR. Uh, Nikon Japan has it listed as old product. Adorama has it listed as out of stock. B&H has it listed as out of stock. The AFS Nikkor 28-300 F35-56 GEDVR. Nikon Japan, old product. Adorama and B&H out of stock. The Nikkor AFS 200mm F2G EDVR2. Uh, Nikon Japan has it listed as old product. Adorama and B&H out of stock. The AFS DX Nikkor 16-80 F2.8-4 E EDVR. Same uh, old product and out of stock. The Nikon 
AFS DX Nikor 18-300 F35263 GEDVR is the same story. And the AFS DX Nikor Micro 85mm F35 GEDVR also listed as old product on Nikon Japan and out of stock at both B&H and Adorama. I am sure there are a few other discontinued Nikkor F-mount lenses on that page that I missed reporting. If you see any other, please post a comment to this article. Canon also recently started discontinuing their DSR, DSLR lenses in both the EF and the EFS mount. All right, I'm going to go ahead and take a little bit of a break here, and I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. So next up, we have interview with Nikon engineers on the Nikkor Z14-24, the 24-70, and the 70-200 f2.8 lenses. Nikon USA published three new interviews with Nikon engineers on those lenses, and you can see those interviews on Nikon's official YouTube channel, uh, which, of course, are in the article and in the show notes. A few pictures of the Nikkor FZ2.8 zooms side-by-side. Side. They are some beautiful Beautiful lenses, absolutely gorgeous. You can check out the Nikkor F2.8 lenses pricing and availability at Adorama and B&H if you're interested in picking up one of those F2.8 lenses for yourself. Nikon DX cameras and lenses are slowly disappearing. Many Nikkor DX DSLR uh, cameras and lenses are out of stock in the U.S. Most Nikon D3500 camera combinations are out of stock at Adorama and B&H. The same is the situation with the Nikon D5600 at Adorama and B&H. Even the D7500 is not available in many configurations. The Nikon D500 has been out of stock for months. A Japanese website reported that the AFP DX Nikkor 18-55 F35-56 GVR lens is already listed as discontinued on the official Nikon website. This was the main kit lens for the D3500 and 5600. The AFP DX Nikkor 18-55 was announced on September 16th of 2016, so that lens has been around for a few years now. With the latest developments, closing factories, reducing expenses, laying off staff, etc., I personally don't think Nikon will ever again produce the entry-level DX DSLR cameras. I still expect the new DX mirrorless Z cameras to be announced soon, and this will probably be the last nail in the DX DSLR coffin. And I do have to agree with him 100%. Both Canon and Nikon are going to transition fully over to mirrorless with the Z and the R mount systems. Um, so I'm not surprised to see either company discontinuing their older DSLR lenses. We haven't had any new EF mount lens announcements from Canon for quite some time. And I don't expect we'll probably ever see any of those announcements again. 
last up from Nikon Rumors for this week, the Easy Cover for the Nikon Z62 and Z72 cameras is released and currently in stock. It's available in yellow, camouflage, and black. Easy Cover released the new silicone camera cases for the Z62 and 72 mirrorless cameras. Three different colors are available, as I mentioned. All three versions are currently in stock at BH Photo, and some of the colors are also available in stock on Amazon. So if you got either one of those cameras and you've been looking to get a silicone cover to protect your camera, you can easily get any of those three colors now if you head on over to BH. All right, so now we're going to head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what they have in store for us this week. First up, the Fujifilm X-E4, The Last of Us, The End of X-Trans 4. And this is it. Interesting. It's over. Not only the Fujifilm X-E4 will be the last X-Series camera to come this year, but according to our sources, it will also be the last one to feature the excellent X-Trans 4 sensor. The 26-megapixel X-Trans 4 sensor was used first on the Fujifilm X-T3, followed by the X-30, the X-Pro3, the X-100V, the X-T4, the X-S10, and last but not least, the X-E4. It's still a great sensor with top-notch technology, backside illuminated, full-phase detection coverage, uh, copper wiring for faster sensor readout. It's the same technology we find in flagship cameras of the other brands, such as the Sony Alpha A7R4. And the future? Fujifilm managers already hinted multiple times, like in this interview and also here, that the future will bring more megapixels to the X-Series. Which sensor technology will be used? Will it really be that 43 megapixel 8K stacked BSI sensor? Questions, riddles, and enigmas that Fuji Rumors is trying to answer for you. All I can say for now is that an explosive start in after an explosive start in 2021 fuji's currently quietness is only apparent behind the scenes great things are planned but if you'd like to get a secret glimpse into them following fuji rumors is the way to go and it is interesting to see that fuji is retiring the x-trans 4 line of sensors but not surprising they've been around for a little while and fuji wants to up their game so that they can stay in uh, competitive in the market. So not surprising that they're looking to release higher megapixel sensors that are possibly capable of 8K video as well. We'll have to wait and see what happens when 2022 rolls around. Next up, Nightcore NPW235 and the NPW126S batteries announced. Nightcore has announced their new Nightcore NPW235 batteries for the Fujifilm X-T4 and Fujifilm GFX100S and their NPW126S batteries for the X-T3 and other X-Series cameras except the older X100 models. The Nightcore batteries coming soon uh, feature voltage 7.2, capacity 2,250 milliamp hours, energy 16.2 watt hours, operating temperatures, Charge is 0 to 55 degrees Celsius or 32 to 131 degrees Fahrenheit. Discharge minus 10 to 60 degrees Celsius or 14 to 140 Fahrenheit. Weight 78.2 grams or 2.76 ounces. Compatible models, the X-T4 GFX100S. Now that's for the first battery. Please refer to the original battery compatibility for more compatible models. The W126S 
coming soon to Amazon US and at the NICOR site. Voltage 7.4 volts, capacity 1,140 milliamp hours, energy 8.4 watt hours, operating temperature charge 0 to 55 degrees Celsius or 32 to 131 Fahrenheit, discharge minus 10 to 60 degrees Celsius or 14 to 140 Fahrenheit, weight 51.5 grams or 1.82 ounces. Compatible models, the XH1, X-Pro3, X-Pro2, X-Pro1, X-T3, X-T2, X-T1, the X-T30, 2010, the X-T100, the X-E3, X-E2, the X-E2, the X-E1, X-M1, X-A7, the X-A5, the X-A3, the X-A2, the X-A1, the X-A10, the X-100F, X-100V, X-S10, X-E4, the Fine Picks, HS50 EXR, the HS30 EXR, and the HS33 EXR. Please refer to the original battery compatibility for more compatible models. So it looks like Nightcore is releasing some new interesting batteries for the Fujifilm shooters out there. So if you're shooting Fujifilm, you definitely want to check them out. They'll probably save you some money, and the Nightcore batteries do have a really good reputation. Next up, Fujifilm X-H2 in 2022 will be first X-Series camera with the new sensor and processor. Here is what we know thanks to our rumors. There will be no more X-Series cameras in 2021. The Fujifilm X-H2 will come out in 2022. Now, since an illustrious Fujifilm managers talked about a, or a breakthrough to achieve with Fujifilm X-H2, we all expect the camera to feature a new sensor and processor. But some readers contacted recently asking me if maybe the first camera to introduce the new sensor and processor would be the X-Pro4 followed by the X-H2 later on. As I understand where this comes from, it happened in the past that Fujifilm used the X-Pro line to introduce a new platform with the X-Pro 1 and X-Pro 2. Well, today I'd like to clarify and say that the Fujifilm X-H2 will be Fujifilm's first X-Series camera to introduce the new sensor and processor platform and not the X-Pro 4. But attention, the Fujifilm X-H2 is still far away and we will not get it until some point in 2022. Fujifilm is crafting a monstrous camera and they are not allowed to fail. That uh, This means that they will take all the time they need to release those, the real stunner, confident of the fact that the mean, uh, that meantime sales of the X-T series, X-S10 and X-100V cameras will keep going strong, allowing Fujifilm to not have to rush with the X-H2. As one of our trusted sources said, it will be a long wait, but it will be well worth it. So it is interesting to see that the X-H2 will feature both Fuji's new sensor and processor technology. We'll have to wait and see exactly what they're going to unveil when they announce that camera at the tail end of 2021 or early 2022. More than likely, that's the time frame for at least the development announcement. But we'll have to wait and see. They could fool us. Next up, Fujifilm GFX100S technical analysis for small sensors stitched together, banding fixed also on the GFX100 and more. Jim Kassan continues his technical analysis of the Fujifilm GFX100S. We already reported how he noticed that the Fujifilm GFX100S solved the PDAF banding issue. 
He did check it on his original Fujifilm GFX 100. And also there he says the banding has been fixed, as you can read in the article. Fuji rumors also told you here that Fujifilm re- secretly fixed via a firmware update. Now Jim's test finally confirms that. Also, he confirms what we already told you back in 2017. The huge medium format GFX sensor is made of four small sensors stitched together. However, to be clear, this will not create any problems in your images. Update, as Jim explained more precisely at our wonderful GFX group, quote, the GFX 100S sensor is not four small sensors stitched together. The lithography is stitched. It's anagulous. Uh, to create anagulus to creating a pano by stitching. The result is one piece of paper. Uh, in the GFX case, it's one piece of silicone. And you can read all of the most updated coverage on the Fujifilm GFX 100S at Kassan's blog. And the links are in this article in the show notes. So you can check it out for yourself. Next up, breaking no more Fujifilm X-Series cameras coming in 2021. It's not easy to believe, but it's true. The Fujifilm X-E4 announced in January 2021 will be the one and only X-Series camera that Fujifilm will announce in 2021. That's according to our trusted sources. As far as I can remember, it will be the first year ever that Fujifilm launches one Fujifilm X-Series camera only. I can feel your disbelief, but trust me, it's 100% accurate. Personally, I think that the combo between the X-T4 and the X-S10 is an excellent competitor in the market also for 2021, hence no hurry to come out with more cameras. On the other hand, it's great to see that Fujifilm is pushing on releasing new lenses so far in 2021, and it looks like also in 2022. That has often not been the case in the past few years, with Fujifilm gravitating towards pushing camera bodies instead of glass. But which lenses will come? Well, you can take a look at our rumored 2021-2022 Fujinon X-Lens Roadmap for a more comprehensive explanation. But since I know 99.99% of you prefer stuff ultra-compact and short, here is the short list. The XF27mm f2.8 already released. The XF70-300 already released. The XF18 f1.4 already released the xf 33 millimeter f1.4 rumored for 2021 on fuji rumors the xf 23 millimeter f1.4 mark ii most likely in 2022 the xf 56 millimeter f1.2 mark ii most likely in 2022 the xf 150 to 600 rumored for 2022 and the list will be continued on Fuji Rumors. Let's hope the list of lenses to come in 2021 will be even longer than the one we have in the rumors. So it'd definitely be interesting to see how many lenses in total Fuji is going to roll out for their X-Series mount. I want to see them keep cranking out the glass. Now, I don't shoot X-Series cameras at all. I just have the GFX 50R, but I'm always excited when camera manufacturers expand their lens roadmap, and it's great for everybody. Last up for this week from Fuji Rumors, Fujifilm fiscal year 2020 financial results, income down 37.8%, but great recovery thanks to the XS10 and the GFX100S. No mention of the X-T4. Fujifilm has published its financial results for 2022 from April 21 to March 31. So how did Fujifilm perform in the year of the COVID-19 pandemic? 
In a nutshell, Instax is growing strong. Broadcasting and cinema lenses suffered most due to cancellations of events such as the Olympic Games caused by the coronavirus pandemic. The Fujifilm X and GFX series had a tough start but recovered greatly later in the year thanks to the Fujifilm XS10 and the GFX 100S along with the GF 80mm f1.7 RWR allowing a year-over-year increase in the second half revenue. For the imaging solution, this translated in an operating income that amounted to 1.56 billion yen down 37.8% year-over-year. It is curious they do not mention the Fujifilm X-T4 in their reports, which hit the market in spring 2020. Maybe it's the camera that suffered most from the pandemic as it was released right when the pandemic started. Factories were shutting down and there was the biggest uncertainty on how the pandemic would evolve. And once the situation was getting more clear and better, Fujifilm had already a mini X-T4 on the market in the XS10, which was smaller, more affordable, mainstream ergonomic or, or yeah, ergonomic choices and IBIS, making it probably a top pick over the X-T4 for many. Plus, the X-T3 saw some substantial rebates, so if you don't need IBIS and hate selfie screens, the X-T3 was still the better choice. This same bad timing was definitely not Fuji's fault as opposed to the X-H1 and X-T3 release timing, but mere bad luck. You can get the Fujifilm X-T4 at B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon US, the Fujifilm X-S10 at B&H, Amazon, Adorama, Moment, and Focus Camera, the GFX100S at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment, and the GF80mm f1.7 at all of the same retailers. Now, here are some excerpts, quote, in the imaging solutions segment, consolidated revenue amounted to 285.2 billion yen, down 14.2% year over year. Consolidated operating income amounted to 15.6 billion, down 37.8% year over year. In the photo imaging business, revenue decreased due to the impact of the voluntary constraint and cancellation of events resulting from the spread of the COVID-19 pandemic. But sales of instant photo systems, which enable users to enjoy on-spot printing of photos, increased year over year in the second half. And what about our beloved X and GFX series gear? Quote, electronic imaging Firm sales of the Fujifilm XS10 and the Fujifilm GFX 100S mirrorless cameras allowed a year-over-year increase in the second half revenue, despite a severe climate in the entire digital camera market. More in detail, quote, in the optical device and electronic imaging business, revenue from the electronic imaging field, which decreased in the first half due to reduced demand stemming from COVID-19, recovered in the second half to rise above the level of last year. The Fujifilm XS10 mirrorless digital camera launched in November 2020 has been well received for its powerful image stabilization and large grip despite its compact size, and it has contributed to the expansion of the X-mount user base. Sales of the Fujifilm GFX 100S released in February of 2021 together with the Fujinon lens, the GF 80mm f1.7, exceeded expectations, having gained a high reputation worldwide for its superior image quality using a large format sensor despite its compact body. Going forward, we will continue providing value-added products and revitalizing the market along with providing the pleasure of taking photos.
Another excerpt, the imaging solutions segment recorded lower revenue primarily due to the impact of COVID-19, but sales are recovering steadily as revenue from the instant photo systems and the electronic imaging field increased year over year in the second half. Operating income, which fell in line with lower revenue, recovered in the second half as the segment more than offset the impact of COVID-19. Now, for the future, quote, in the fiscal year ending March 2022, the impact of COVID-19 is expected to linger in the imaging business and the business innovation, uh, former document businesses. As for future strategy, quote, in the imaging segment, the photo imaging products division and the optical device and electronic imaging products division were integrated together to be the imaging solutions division on April 1, 2021 with the aim of continuing to supply new values and products to meet the diversifying needs for images and videos. In light of rapid progress in various technologies, including diversification of shooting devices, including smartphones, 5G, 6G, high-speed networks, AI evolution and advancement of data society, uh, the needs for images and videos in everyday life and society are diversifying. By grasping the market from a wider perspective and integrating the two divisions, we will accelerate creation of new products and services based on our brand strength as a comprehensive imaging device manufacturer, as well as our technological assets ranging from shooting devices to printing. So it looks like things are going really well for Fujifilm, and I'm happy to see that. They're a great company, and they make great products. You can't go wrong with an X-Series or a GFX Series camera. They are absolutely fantastic. Now, again, I have not shot with any of the X-Series cameras all that much. I've played around a little bit with the X-T2. Uh, I rented one for a while, and it was a great camera. Um, there were some artifacts that you get with the X-Trans sensor in certain shooting situations that I didn't like. And my friend Brent Bergram ran into the same problem when he was testing the X-Series to see if he was going to switch away from Canon. And we both drew the same conclusion that the X-Trans just wasn't quite what we were looking for. That's why I went with the GFX also because I wanted to go medium format. But Fuji's cameras are great. It'll be interesting to see if when they announce their next sensor, in the X-Trans line if they're able to correct some of those artifact issues in certain shooting situations. But we'll have to wait and see. All right, and now let's head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors to wrap up this week's episode. First up, Gordon Lang, Sony Alpha 1 versus Fujifilm GFX100S photo video quality review. You can check out his video on his YouTube channel. An interesting comparison between the best Sony Alpha camera and the Fujifilm GFX100S with the Sony 100 megapixel sensor. I haven't had a chance to check out the video for myself, but he does make some great videos. So I would highly encourage you stopping by and checking it out. I'm sure when I get a chance later on today, I will watch it myself and see what he has to say. Next up, the Sony A7R3A and the R7, R A7R4A camera pre-orders will open on May 17th. Here comes the very first image of the new Sony A7R4A. The only difference I can find is the missing Sony logo under the LCD screen. And yes, the screen looks better as it uses a higher resolution version. Nokashita reports that the Sony A7R uh, R3A and the R4A camera pre-orders will open on Monday, May 17th. The A7R 
A will cost 361,900 yen and the A7R4A 438,900 yen. Reminder, what's new on the A7R4A and the 3A? LCD resolution has changed from 1.44 million dots to 2,359,000 dots. They both support USB 3.2. The Sony logo under the LCD monitor has been removed and there is also a small change in their battery life. So it will be interesting to see if this is true or bupkis. Um, it seems kind of weird that Sony would release an A series of existing cameras because I don't think they've ever done that before, but we'll have to wait and see. As I've warned my listeners before, uh, Sony Rumors does not have the best track record in its rumors department with an extremely low accuracy rate of about 5 to 10%. So take that with a grain of salt. Let's see what actually happens on Monday. Next up, hooray, the new Sony 50mm f1.2 GM lens is now shipping out. The lens is available at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Photocotch Germany, Calumet Germany, Photo Earnhardt, Part Cameras UK, and Jessup's. As of today, the new Sony 50mm GM lens is starting to ship out. I got multiple reports from readers getting their lenses. Here's just one example. And you can check that out for yourself in this week's episode's show notes. Next up, rumors, some more high-end APS-C camera tidbits. Another news source told me about this new high-end camera. Not sure if it's true, but I guess it is. Quote, the Alpha 6900 is a limited 32-megapixel APS-C Exmor RS version of the Alpha 1. Resolution 6912 by 4608. It limits the continuous shooting speed to 20 frames per second, and it uses a pure electronic shutter with fast flash synchronization time of 1 250th of a second. So the body of an Alpha 6900 is even lighter than the Alpha 6600. To sum up, basically an A7C with an APS-C sensor, same EVF and LCD resolution, same tilt screen, same new menus, only minor tweaks to an A7C body, but improved IBIS using a smaller APS-C sensor, a new sensor, higher resolution over current APS-C line, same frames per second as the A6600, but now pushing larger files, improved low-light performance, reduced rolling shutter, video specs may be close to the A7C, and the price will be similar to the a7c so that is definitely an interesting story we'll have to keep track of that one and see if that actually becomes reality next up zy tested the most expensive sony combo you can buy the sony a1 plus the 600 millimeter f4 gm lens Uh, this is what you can do when you own the best of the best. $6,500 camera and a $13,000 lens. You can watch that video on YouTube for yourself. That's definitely a lot of money to be holding in your hands taking pictures. <laughs> About $20,000 worth. Wow. And a last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week. Till May 31st, save 30% off on all DxO software. Today, until May 31st, you can save up to 30% on all DxO products, 30% off on Photolab 3.2, the Night Collection, DxO Film Pack, and DxO Viewpoint. And you can head on over to the DxO website to take advantage of this new sale. All right, that is going to wrap up the news and rumors for this week. 
remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, and that is going to wrap episode 151 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you that if you'd like to get a signed copy of my first book, The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia, the Northwest Counties, you can pick up a copy at the liamphotography.net online store, or you can pick up an unsigned copy on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Now, also be sure to head on over to YouTube and check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. I have quite a few videos on there. I haven't posted a new one for a few weeks now because of the move and everything, but I will be cranking out new videos very soon. The new studio building has been ordered and will arrive in a few weeks. Once that gets here, I have to finish the interior, insulate the walls, put up sheetrock, yada, 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 put in flooring on top of the plywood, and I'm going to section off about five to seven feet in the very back as a separate room, which will be my audio podcast studio, um, which will be a dedicated audio area. And then the rest of the building will be for YouTubing and portrait studio work. So that will be coming soon. I can't wait until that's completed and I can actually start recording out there, but it's going to take a little bit of time yet. But be sure to stop by on YouTube, check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel, watch the videos, subscribe to the channel, like and share the videos out. Also hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new videos drop. And please, if you're interested in history and abandoned buildings, do the same for the Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Forgotten Pieces of Pennsylvania YouTube channels as well. Lots of great videos out there that you can check out. And if you know anything about any of the buildings in those videos, if you live in those particular counties, please be sure to leave comments below the video letting me know any of the information on any of the buildings that you're familiar with. All right, this is going to wrap up this episode. I will see you all again on Thursday. As usual, this episode is recorded before a live studio audience.